interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to My Bloody Podcast. We have a fantastic episode today, episode number 82. We've been doing this a couple years and we're still alive, full of blood, full of music, full of love. I'm Brian Kluger, I'm joined by the man I want to make music with for the rest of my life, Preston Barta. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. And the other man, the, the other man our, our, that makes our tricycle, the other man that is the backbone, Mark Chaffardini. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thanks for asking. Oh, yes. We're all doing well here in Dallas, Texas. It is a beautiful, sunny day here. And we have a very special show today. We have amazing guests. We have uh, the composers, the musicians cinematographer Lamatos on uh JP and JN how are you guys doing great great <laughs> it's not as sunny as you guys uh here in a snowstorm but uh yeah where's here Mont- Canada. Montreal Canada. <laughs> Montreal all right are, are you guys fans of Letter Kenny at all on Crave no, no, on Crave no, I don't think so I don't watch TV <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're on the French part as well so maybe that's why all right, all right. It, I, I highly recommend it. It's one of the funniest TV shows you'll ever watch. Uh, Letter okay, Kenny. Right. You'll, you'll love it. Keep um, but yeah, so I, I want to start, um, you know, a, a lot of your, your music that you create um, is very, you know, reminiscent of the 1980s. And I want to ask, what is it about the 1980s? in particular, that decade that resonates and gives that nostalgic love and feel to basically everybody. And what does it mean to you guys? I mean, for us, we're, we were, I was born in 79 and I think you were born, I was born in 82. So we're, we grew up like there, we have like a lot of child memories that's from the eighties. So I feel like this is why it's so much in our sound, the synth that we use and stuff like that. So I don't think we are trying to recreate the 80s or do something special. But I think it's just there because we're from the 80s, actually. Yeah, and I think all of us are here, too. I'm 81, you're 80? I'm 80, yeah. I'm 90. Oh, you're 90. <laughs> you're the young one, Preston. You're the young one. But no, I, I, I get it. I, I, there's something about that decade that you grow up and you just want to bring it forward with you uh, for some reason. And I don't think any other decade... I mean, you could say the 60s or 70s or whatnot, but 80s just has that special feel to it, I think. It's the coming of age period. Yeah, the coming of age period. There you go. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you all have a favorite 80s movie? Wow. That's that's a hard one. It's, uh, I don't know. It's it's like, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, Weird Science. Like, I think I I should say Weird Science or Ferris Bueller's Days Off. Oh, Oingo Boingo, Dream Academy. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, funny story, the name of her band is from the French dub of Weird Science. So I guess, like, this is the easy thing to say. But I don't know, Jean-Nic. Shining is the 80s, right? 1970. Yeah, 1980. Yeah, that's one of my favorite 80s movies. So good. Yeah, so I guess, uh, yeah, it's quite less the sound of the 80s, but Yeah. yeah. I think this is, I mean, there's so, so many movies, like it depends, there's so many, like the thing, there's like an order, we can give you like a, a top five in, in uh, rom-com, I can give you a top five in action, I can give you a top five, I think it's like a golden age of like blockbusters and, and uh, it's it's like, it kind of changed everything in the 80s for, for uh, uh, big movies, so yeah. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard many people and um, over the years, and, and written, they've written a lot of articles, and they say that '84 is quite possibly the best year for cinema, definitely of the the of the decade. But you know, things like Temple of Doom and quite a number of movies that came out. It's yeah, just, Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's very tough to top that that hot spot that just happened, and it's just you know we're all blessed and better because of it. So yeah, I mean that's the reason I think. Uh, the guys from Summer of 84 wrote that script 
in uh, 84 as well. I think it was because like it's a special years for them as well. Well, I have, I have a question for you guys. Um, we love your music. We're excited to have you on the show. And I've, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of the artists on Bandcamp. And I see and hear that the type of music you do referred to as Outrun. Um, do I have that right? Or how would you describe your music, whether it's for a movie or your own making? Um, I don't know. I'd say it's uh, a lot of four on the floor, you know, like the, the disco type kick. Um, uh, bass lines, arpeggiated bass lines, you know, like uh, 16th, 16th notes. Um, yeah, so I feel like, yeah, that, adds, I don't know. I mean, Atron is a great name. I think it's this, it's definitely a name that was kind of there when we started making music in 2007. So I think it's a good, a good name. We can use indie dance as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. It's synth music at the end. I feel like it's uh, yeah. it's there's a lot of like, like nostalgia and like a wistful kind of vibe in the stuff that we make. It's kind of dark, but at the same time, not like not too dark. Yeah, it's so I feel like it's uh, I don't know. It's hard. I mean, there's some like I don't want to say like the, the the term that everybody use nowadays because I don't feel like we're perfectly in that type of music that everybody says synthwave. But I feel like Autron and indie dance. And maybe a little bit of like disco in the back, like Jean yeah, exactly. like yeah, like a Marauder influence somewhere, like Kraftwerk influence, um, Jan Hammer influence, exactly, Jan Carpenter, Hammer, yeah, exactly, Shuki Levy. Like, there's a lot of stuff, like a lot of music that was like sometimes I don't know if that kind of music translates that much to you guys, but when we were kids, we used to watch. It was kind of Japanese anime, but translated in French and they kind of redid like the title track all the time and it was quite like synthy disco 80s and it was like something that you watch like the the Saturday morning cartoons and it's definitely a big influence as well yeah when you when you were discovering some of your influences what did you typically become attracted to? Were there phonetic moments or the meaning or the story or the feeling of it? It was mostly the feeling of it, you know, like uh, sometimes like uh, there, there was like this cartoon we used to, to watch when we were kids called uh, this did uh, the city of gold. I think it was in English. I'm not too sure, but uh, it was mainly like, it was all since like the, the soundtrack and the, uh, it's it's like a grandiose moments and it really glued well to the moments in the music the music was all since was great i think yeah the mysterious cities of gold yeah that's that's the english title so i don't know like if you guys really got that it was kind of a weird like like cartoon with like the like five last minute of the cartoon was also documentary about like yeah. Um, like Incan, South America, yeah, like, Incan life and uh, customs and everything, was like uh, real, real, real shots was was really interesting, and uh, the music was the best part of it. All right, and I, I'm curious, uh, do y'all remember your first uh, purchase as like a musical instrument you learned to play on? Your pers- first piece of equipment you learned to make music with, and do you remember what songs you were learning at the time? Uh, the first instrument for me was the recorder. <laughs> like every, I don't know if you guys that you had to, to play the, the recorder at school, but that that was it for me. And um, my first song that I wanted to try and learn was uh, remember the lambada. You know, and that was the first song I tried. <laughs> I tried to play, and I, I figured out like wow, it was it was easy for me to to learn it, and I, I moved on to other songs, and then I I just found out that it was easy for me to to figure out music on my own, and then that's pretty much how I I found I could do do music basically. <laughs> <laughs> I never told anyone that. <laughs> oh really? Exclusive. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. I I mean I re- I remember I. The first instrument I bought was a clarinet, and my first song I learned was Pink Panther theme on it. Nice. <laughs> and I just that's cool. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. I mean, I mean, I also at school, I feel like my the first instrument was actually 
the flute, like like yeah, the recorder. Uh, that's the recorder. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Oh, I didn't know that was the title. The, exactly. The name. It's like a so same flute. thing. Yeah, I think it's because we're like like it's the cheapest instruments you can buy. So like in public school, that's the one you you got. And yeah. also, I got like a cheap Sears keyboard that I oh, remember. Yeah. I was just trying. Like I I didn't play that much. I was mostly kind of mixing the beats that's in it. Yeah, you know, like yeah, the. Yeah. the the samba and the, like all those things. Yes, and, like, switching, switching, switching. The yeah, yeah, and like playing with like the the demo track that's on it, and just trying to change the tempos and stuff. Yeah, I, I remember I had one of those too, and I think it was from like service merchandise out here. And I remember mixing, trying to mix at a young age the Axel Foley Beverly Hills Cop thing, uh-huh. like that. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an actual really great reference. Exactly. Yeah. Walter Meyer, that's, yeah. we're a big fan of that guy also. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I have to say, of, of the three Mondo albums that we're going to be talking today, uh, Join Us just speaks to me on multiple levels. Um, there are certain tracks that just hit me in my DNA. And so you have <clears throat> eight, uh, 58 Minutes to Live, you have Montrose. Uh, 58 Minutes has some dialogue from 12 Monkeys in it, or monologue from 12 Monkeys. Montrose, please tell me that that's named after Hollywood Montrose from Mannequin. Yep. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> Just made <Yeah>. a day. <laughs> I mean, all the, all the titles of Join Us were kind of inspired by a movie, but sometimes it's not that we're trying to get inspired by a movie. Like, like Montrose, it's like when we did that track, I really felt like Jean-Nic was starting to do those chords at the end, and I really felt like they were kind of like fan, fashion television style. So that's why I went back and said, oh, what? Yeah, obsession and emotion. Yeah, that's it. So so because it was like kind of a track about fashion, I was like, what movies from the 80s that I love talks about fashion? So we went back to Mannequin. So this is where that title came came from. Fantastic. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Summer of 84 soundtrack. And what's cool about each song, especially when you listen to a record on its own and you distance yourself from the film, you can make your own narrative for each track in assign meaning. Uh, that's that's like the upside of ambiguity. Is that something that you do with your music, or do you always register it with what unfolds within the movie scene uh, for whatever you're commissioned to do to kind of maybe add a little more mystery or darkness to it to kind of think a little outside of what may be unfolding on screen? I mean, nah, I like those two movies that we scored are, are quite special because they're made with really close friends. RKS says they're really, really close friends that we work with them for so long. I mean, I was shooting their movies and, and Johnny was making the sound editing back then when we were doing short films. So I feel like the fact that I'm I'm there from the beginning as a cinematographer, just like knowing everything about the script and shooting it, being there with the actors and capturing the emotion on set. I feel like when we go back to the studio after and, and start scoring, I kind of know where we need to go in terms of emotion. Even like those th- two movies, Arceus was not in the studio with us at all. So we were just sending tracks and they almost say yes to everything right away. So I feel like maybe it's definitely connected to the, the the emotion on screen and everything that's going on, but also the fact that I was there, I feel like it's it's definitely scored for the intention we want to have um, when we shot it and edit it and everything. Yeah, we basically score to to the image, and that's the result you get. We we don't try to do like some counterpoint or anything like that. We just we just go with the flow. It's very simple. And uh, the result, if, it's, if the result is good, then <laughs> good. Yeah, and I feel like we, that's the way we always work as well. We just jam stuff and it's, yeah. it's all about emotion, I guess. It's, we don't really think and we don't, like every time we say like, oh, we should try to do like that kind of track, it always turns out to be something else yeah. anyway. Yeah. Like it's, it just goes from place else because one of us just did yeah, something yeah, and exactly. the other oh, way. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to follow each other, you know, like some, someone like, bring something new to the table and then I was like, oh yeah, let's do this instead. So yeah, pretty much. Can you, can you, uh, can you not shut it off? Like in other words, if you're walking around and a melody comes up, are you a slave to that in a way that it has to be dealt with right then and there? Or are there times when you consciously say, no, 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna move on. Yeah, I guess like we're not. We don't have to uh, to do. Like if you have if you have an idea in our head, we we just do it and then we move on to something else. Are you talking about like specifically scoring or music? Just in like general? In, uh, music in general. When you're whenever you're creating music, or I you, mean, when, go ahead. For sure, sometimes we talked a, a lot about the emotion that we get from those melodies. Like if it's like like if it's too happy or we kind of want to stick in kind of this wistful place most of the time this is maybe where we're going to say like now nah, maybe we should move on or change that but but yeah i feel like it's everything it's 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 we we really do music as most as like a regular like band like like classic band with like drum guitar and and everything you know it's just we 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 jammed it's and and uh, we just follow whatever happened and, and yeah, we would never get attached too much to something. It, it always depends. It's, it's hard to say. I feel no, like it, it's never like, uh, there's never an argument where you just, if something doesn't work, we just take it out. And if something works, we stick with it. It's pretty, pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Sweet. And I want to bring up uh, nightmare isn't over. Uh, and I'm curious, like it, that when I listen to that, I, it's like an enhanced orgasm of genres and sound uh, that was added to this score, and I loved it. Um, can you talk to me about how that came to be, The Nightmare Isn't Over for Halloween 2? I mean, I was obsessed. I, I mean, I, like Halloween is one of my favorite movies of all time, definitely. Uh, it's up there for my favorite horror movies as well. So I feel like we I, we we wanted to make something for a DJ set exactly. for Halloween that we were doing. So it was like the perfect track to start a DJ set with. It's like the Carpenter team, you know, that he did. Uh, but when I, we listen to the score, I'm a big score fan. And I really feel like the score of the second Halloween is way better than the first one because of Alan Howard. And I feel he added a lot of like quality to it. So that's why we went and did the second movie instead of the original Halloween in terms of inspiration for the track and then we just started with like the basic uh, melody and stuff and we jammed it into what yeah, we became. built something around the, the theme yeah it's pretty much it it's very I think it was very simple the way we approached it and uh, the result was, was pretty good yeah it was mostly for a DJ set and, and exactly. it was not supposed to be released at first and stuff no and then we, we finished it and we played it live as well a couple of times. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really, I still really love that cover and we did. Yeah. This is the one that we have the the kind of a commando part or that's in the Akira? Uh, no, that's in the, okay, that's uh, the other one. yeah, exactly, Akira <laughs> cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah did, did you ever hear from Carpenter about it? No, 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 no. No. Uh, I feel like it's we're still like a super underground band, so I exactly. feel like there's a lot of stuff that we use that like uh, we like we did also. A I mean, we we heard a little bit for the uh, Akira cover we did, like they approached us, but uh, like yeah. yeah, because of the label when they did the reissue of the vinyl, so they wanted maybe another remix and stuff, but didn't came through. But but I I talked to them, but most of the time, like it's it's nobody see it. It's just under under the radar of everybody. <laughs> It's going to be, it's big time. We love you guys here <laughs> in Texas. Um, what you did with uh, Chronicles of the Wasteland is uh, an expansion of what you did for the score to Turbo Kid. Now, I understand that when you have tracks that are five minutes, that doesn't exactly time itself to the beats of the story on screen. So when did the discussion or when did the decision come about and you got the opportunity to produce and create this where you just really uncork the ideas that may not have had the legs uh, on screen. No, it's it's really we scored everything for like on screen. Like Turbo Kid was done quite quick. I think it was like less than a month. Like super rush. Like in her house, it was not like in a studio. It was like a home yeah. studio. It was so rushed. And and my obsession with collecting scores and stuff on vinyls and. It's, it's always kind of bugging me that like you get that cue that's amazing and you know the emotion is there and it's crazy and then 20 seconds in, it's it's gone. So uh, uh, it's the frustration that I have with, with all those tracks that I love that I, I want to get more. So I was like sending the idea to Jean-Nic and I was like, we should maybe like take nine 
nine cues or ten cues from this movie and just try to do full tracks with part, parts that, not, that are not in the movie and just try to do full track that we can actually play live and release an actual album. I feel like nobody's done it and I, it's something that I would love to get like uh, from artists that I like. So this is where it started. It really was just a score at first and then we took it and we build full tracks out of it. Exactly, that's that's what we did. <laughs> no, I couldn't say better. <laughs> it, it's an amazing enhancement. I mean, we're, we're, we're glad that you guys took that exercise because, you know, there are, I, I imagine that many composers feel the same way. And one of the ways that they do get to let loose is, a lot of times, John Williams is very famous for this, he'll do um, the, the end credits, which is, an expansion on themes that were in the film. So he ties things together in a way that aren't exactly cutting and pasting. He flourishes certain cues and it's really, I mean, again, we're talking to you because we love your work and it's just, it's impressive how you, how you produce this. Thanks. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's, and also at first we, like we're in the, in the film business, but that the fact that we're scoring movies, kind of came into like just an accident almost. So I feel like we, we were a band, like that was the thing that we are. We are a band and we, we like to play live and play our music live. So creating those beat, like those cues and stuff for a movie, we knew it's impossible to play that live. Like it's impossible to play, maybe there's two tracks that we can play from Summer of 84. Like that kind of makes yeah. sense in a live set. It's too low key. It's like you can't dance to it. <laughs> so, so that was the, the the idea. It's like we're we're we made all those nice cues. So we should just try to build it so we can play it live. So that was really like the like the band thinking about about what we can do with all those music. Yeah, it's like uh, taking taking the opportunity to you know to play these songs live. These these ideas that we had that we wanted to expand on on good ideas and take them further. Like bring, Take them somewhere we, we, we didn't think we could. I mean, in, in, in Summer of 84, there's the Mackie, the Mackie's uh, theme that's kind of like this kind of slasher, jello uh, theme that we did. We that's we actually, that's the first time we've done it. We, we, we actually did a full track. And then from that, we, we kind of like just did some parts into the movie. And then we did, we, we released the full version, but it's never in the movie. Like it's just in the credit, I think. Yeah, that's true. And that's the track that, for us, it set the tone. That was the first jam we did, I think, on, on, yeah. the, on the movie, and it pretty much set the tone for the whole movie for us. And that was not done on on the image. That was no, done exactly. just with just with a reference and me, the emotion that I knew we were going and stuff like that. One of my favorite tracks on Summer of 84 is, I believe it's called Manhunt. It's a very like low-key low key track pretty much what you were discussing a little bit earlier. Um, Some people have said that the hardest thing in the world is to write a simple song as opposed to something that may be a little busier or complex. Where do you side on that? Um, I'm I'm really uh, on the side of it's it's hard to write something simple, but effective. That's the hardest thing. I feel like when every time we try to make something more, because we we love techno musics and stuff that are, like long and loops and, and, and quite simple. And I feel every time we try to do something like that, it, it's, it never works. It's all like we add synths and synths and, and stuff. And it's like, it's, so yeah, I feel like it's extremely hard. I feel like it's easier to, to tell a story to a track than trying to do like something minimal that, I don't know, yeah, I am totally agree as well on that. Do you ever question when something you've developed has been written before when you're doing some of those maybe simple melodies or does that make you feel that you're onto something? Uh, I don't think we, yeah, sometimes like we question ourselves, like, uh, like one of us will say, this sound, this, does this sound like this artist or whatever, but it's very rare. And if it happens, we just like, nah, we'll just change a few notes. And it's like, not, we don't even like, listen to the, the artists, the artists we think were, were like sounding the same as we just kind of feel like it and just change a few notes and then, you know, it's not very complicated. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it happens. Like we, it we're going to, it can happen. It will yeah. Happen, you know? And you're going to, yeah, you're going to look it up or like, this is, this is sound like Daft Punk. Like we didn't, we, like I know stuff <laughs> like that happens all the time. And, and like, I mean, yeah, everybody has like influence and stuff in their head. Like you're not, you're not, 
trying to do something, sometimes it just happened. So we look into it, but I think it's not, it's never really a problem. It no. happened like a couple of times. And most of the time when we're like, I feel like it sounds with something like I've heard before. And most of the time it's actually us. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you go back and you're like, oh yeah, it's oh, just yeah, one of our track. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so can you guys express your love for uh, vinyl records and uh, like how it's making such a huge comeback? especially here in the U.S., and uh, how much are you guys involved in the pressing and making of these uh, new albums on record? I mean, back in the, when we started making music, I feel like vinyls were not as much, pop, like, not as popular as it is right now. It was kind of in the dark place, like, in, in mid, uh, like, 2005, six. And uh, I was buying a lot of those, like the early, like Justice EPs before they had like a, a like uh, a full release. And so I feel like Justice. like Ed, Ed Bangers yeah. and uh, and uh, I Turbo Records and and, um, and uh, Kitsune, all that like were releasing those specific release. And it, I feel like nobody was. If you got like a vinyl release, you kind of made it. It was more like. A, a status a you know yeah yeah when you're a band so it, i feel like this is where i really wanted to go vinyls and this is where we decided to go back and do like our first pressing of join us it was like self-release 300 copies that we did ourselves uh, without a label so i feel like this is i feel like there was something special with vinyls if you get press on vinyls it means that it, it's real you know i feel like this is where it was even if i was collecting vinyls from a young age and I feel like now what I like with vinyls, it's like with Spotify and, and all those platforms, it's so easy to listen to music all the time. Even with YouTube, you just put a playlist and, and you hear music, but you don't listen to it. And I feel like vinyls, when you actually take a vinyls from your collection and you take out from the sleeve and you put it on, on the record player and then you start listening to it, then in 20 minutes max, you're going to have to stand up and, and flip it. So all that makes it that you actually listen to it. You're just, it's not just background noise. So I feel like this is why, why I really and still love vinyl. It's not that much because of the warmth of the sound and stuff like that. It's mostly the, the process, the ritual, yeah. the ritual. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like this is why it's important. And I feel the fact also for art, the artworks and stuff, it's, it's, it's nice to actually have like an artworks and, and liners notes and stuff that you can, it's just a nice piece nice object yeah that complete the music so i feel like this is where i stand right now with 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 vinyl and this is why i still like buy vinyls i kind of try to decide what i'm buying a little bit more not to just like buy stuff and don't listen to it but uh but yeah so i feel this is why it's still important and and i guess this is why it's coming back because it's 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 too easy to get music everywhere some people wants to get something a little more physical and that they can touch yeah it's a, be it's a beautiful object to own you know it's like a collective collectible also right um do you guys have like what's the most strange like the strangest or most curious album in your collection right now strangest i mean you get it, it's at my place but i think this is this is yours i still have it but Jonik has it's it's like kind of a, it's not music it's just like this Batman stories from the <laughs> from the fifties yeah, but it's the French dub so it's like it's it's the artwork and everything it's the story of Batman that you listen but it's French Canadian with the accent it's extremely bad the funniest <laughs> thing ever so Jonik owns that and it's at my place because I, I'm kind of obsessed with it. And um, one of the, I don't know, it's not that strange, but I think I'm obsessed with it. It's like, um, it's like a small uh, 45 that it's, uh, it's the, the, the theme of this uh, um, Japanese uh, metal hero uh, series from the beginning of the 80s called, uh, in English, it's uh, Gavan, Space Sheriff Gavan. So that's the uh, kind of the uh, title track with like a French singer that's singing. So that's my kind of like thing that I love a lot. That Excel. I have. Like, yeah, Exile in French. Yeah, I, I love just going to these these record stores and just crate digging and finding something crazy. Like I found that um, this Leonard Nimoy single, the guy who played Spock, who's <laughs> doing the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> which is just crazy. 
And I just yeah. love finding stuff like that that's actually been pressed, and it's it's cool. Yeah, sometimes I, I like I know I re, like also have like this two other things that I like that I have. It's like this uh, the the score of uh, Close Encounter of the Third Kind. But inside of it, there was like also a 45 that's like a, um, a disco version of the theme. Yes, it, I have that, probably, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Mark has that. So this maybe. thing is, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> and the other thing that I have, it's like a box set of E.T., but it's like, it's the story, like, uh, and it's Michael well, Jackson. Jackson. That, I have that. I absolutely have that in my collection. I'm a huge MJ fan. So <laughs> this thing is so creepy. But also... <laughs> Especially now, like everything that came out, like like listen to it or just looking at this, like po because you have a poster in the box and that it's just E.T. E with Michael Jackson. It's so <laughs> weird. I love it. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> you know, with the summer of 84, I really think that you guys have grown tremendously as a band um, and you're at a different level now. But if we can go back to the beginning, can you give us kind of the, the genesis of, of the name and the hands and, and, and the eyes? Are you guys robots? Are you spirits? Are those milky eyes? What's help us understand you? I mean, the, the name, like I said, it's from, it's kind of a slang, a French slang, uh, that you can translate to gear, the stuff. Uh, it was in the French version of Weird Science. So when they talk about their computer and they try to make the girl and, and one of the guys say, that's the only thing you can do with all your, your stuff. And in French, they're just saying, it's, it's la seule chose que tu peux faire avec ton matos. So like that's exactly, we actually took that sample and used it. So this is where the, the, the name came from. And as for the visual, I think it was the obsession with like uh, old school uh, Italian or like... Um, uh, demons and, and stuff like that that they were using the, the glowing eyes yes and stuff like that so I feel like this is where I took this inspiration like the first album cover was definitely inspired by the fog like uh, the coming soon album that's yeah, just the like font, a, yeah. the font is a, it's a it's a redo of the fog and the, the picture is us like walking on in this train fog. track in the fog and with the glowing eyes that you get from those on that in the fog as well I feel like the glowing eyes was something quite popular in the late like in the mid 70s to um all the way to mid 80s in in like b movies or and stuff like that i guess it was something easy to do with post at the time i don't know and, and it really is such a unique look and it's and it's weird it's kind of like how do you patent or how do you how do you you know own glowing eyes but i i think it works so well for you guys and um you know mm -hmm. i mean I, I, we don't know where it's gonna go like we it, not this, sure we're keep, keeping them but yeah it, it evolved it evolved like every time so, like at first like some of the guy like did kind of like took out the nose and it was the idea was kind of being a little bit more um that we don't you don't really see her face yeah without putting a mask and i feel like putting them i mean i like it's cool that people do, does it and i respect it but i feel for me I, I would not be able to play on a stage with a mask and stuff especially when you see that punk and and like They've done it, and I feel like you, yeah, you feel you're not allowed to do it exactly. because they're too good at it. I feel like we're ripping off. So, so, yeah, so it was everything just for visual on, on photos and maybe a little bit in music videos and stuff like that. But, but on stage, it's just us, yeah, like yeah. regular guys yeah. so, behind scenes. Two regular dudes. <laughs> so it's great to have a collaborator in, in any creative process. So how do you guys split your responsibilities, and, and how do you share ideas? Uh, I think Jean-Philippe is mostly responsible for the visual aspect, but also he makes music with me. It's like not, you don't uh, need to say that, but, uh, and I, I take care of more of the mixing, mastering, you know, like the, 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 the core, like sound, I, I take care of that. So, but that's pretty much the big, in, in a big way, that's what we do. Yeah, we score. I mean, we, we jam everything together and we do stuff together. But, but like, I'm I'm a cinematographer. That's my core. I'm I'm a guy that came from visual and started to make music because I was living with that guy as a roommate at some point, and I, I love music so much that he just put give me like a a program, and I started making music. And at some point, we started making music together. But I don't have any uh, background in in sound engineers and stuff. So I feel like I can I I I say what I think 
like if I like stuff, uh, if I feel like it sounds a little bit too digital or anything, but but I, I don't know how to do it. And I feel like Jean-Luc has the actual background to make it sound that great. And I feel this is where we definitely split everything that's more like visual concept uh, of, of, uh, of the band. And, and, and yeah, that, that part I, I will like kind of like have the idea and, and send, show it to Jean-Luc and yeah. talk about it. And then Jean-Luc is going to, definitely master and, and makes everything and is going to show it to me. So it, it, that's the, this is where we split stuff, but the actual music is like, we start a track from together, beginning to end exactly. together. Yeah. There's nothing like sometimes like in, in earlier days, I, we would start from beats that I already start on my own. And we, you know, we just use the drums and start jamming on the drums that I already did to that extent. But usually we mostly start from scratch together. Yeah, I still don't, like, I don't really, I'm not really good at drums, and I feel like this is the process that we mostly do. Jean-Ning's gonna start, like, programming some drum beats in, in the drum machine, and at the same time, I'm just jamming some bass or some weird stuff, and, and we add up on that, and, and at some point, we're like, oh, we should, I guess we have something there. Yeah. <laughs> we should just, like, record that and, yeah. and, and start building it. Listening to loop for eight hours, like oh, I, I think it's good now. We can, <laughs> yeah, we can make a song out of it. <laughs> Is there a particular song that you guys have done that you feel best represents yourself? Uh, as persons, or yeah. just as, as a, a, as a taste, band? as a person, whatever you would like. Wow, that's hard. I mean, Sarah is really a special track for me. I think this is a track that when we de did it, we kind of change it, changed our sounds a lot, mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. and it's the reference it's from it's from uh, Suspiria, um, and I'm a huge uh, Goblin fan and, and 70s horror, so I feel like that was kind of a one of the track that I really really like, but I feel like I can say I, I one on each album for sure, but yeah, for me I think it's uh, I think Morals is one of my favorite favorite tracks we did and one of my favorite tracks to play live I, I like I really like the emotion in it uh, I think it really represents uh, I think myself like the you know like little sadness in the music I don't know I, I, I always strive for that type of emotion in our music I think the end, the end track of uh, I mean the end track of Turbo Kid, Tequila Sunrise, as well, is another yeah. one that I feel emotionally that I love. And same for the, the, the end track of Summer of 84, when, like, the last scene, when everything's kind of dark. I feel like that's another track that I really like. I like stuff when it's really emotional, I think. Yeah. On the same page. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I guess like children, you can't pick your favorite. Uh, and it's funny, my um, I guess my favorite Lamatos track is whatever I'm listening to. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can pick, nice. pick six <laughs> off of each album. Um, but you know, RKSS is described on their website as a three-headed monster. So you guys come from the '80s. What's your favorite monster movie, and which member of RKSS would you want to have your back in a street fight? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Okay, RKSS in a street fight. I feel huh? it. Yuan. <laughs> I think I feel like. I mean, you you would say it's easy to say Yuan because like he's a big MMA fan and his part. I mean, they're all yeah. big MMA fan like as I am as well. But I feel like he did a little bit of jujitsu and stuff like that, and he's like taller and bigger than than all of us. But I think Anuk would be the more vicious and the <laughs> one that would actually want to survive so i feel like i would probably want anuk to have my back <laughs> yeah i think she would be like she would think everything in advance and make the perfect decision i think this is why i would definitely choose her but uh and as a move like monster movie that's that's a hard one um do you have a monster movie you like trolls too Wow. Bog. Oh my god, they're eating her. Yeah. Oh my god. Monster, monster. I feel like it's it's hard. You you just 
you cut me off guard. I know I'm going to regret this like after we're done with it, but uh, um, I like I like Japanese stuff. I like Godzilla's. I like Son of Godzilla's. I think it's not a really good monster movie. It's probably one of the worst ones, but I think I love it because it's extremely funny. Um, uh, I guess I, I guess Alien. I feel definitely Alien is the best one. The, the thing. I think the thing. Also yeah, can... the thing as well. I think the thing is, is it a monster? Yeah. 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 Is, do you guys think the thing is a monster? Oh movie yeah, for or? sure, hundred percent. For sure. So I guess, yeah. So I guess the thing is like definitely up there because it's like in my top three. Definitely. Yeah, for me too. Yeah. <laughs> it Just doesn't send, give send, control what, too. Like, <laughs> tell us what you guys think because like that way we're going to maybe change our minds. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay. Um, so I have a, a we're going to switch gears here and uh, we do a segment um, on the show called My Bloody Tunes. It's where we kind of pick a song uh, that reminds us of like the films we're talking about, or in this case, of you guys, Lamatos. Um, and I'll start. So one of my favorite Blade Tune I'm going to recommend for people to listen to that reminds me um, is a song uh, by Giorgio Marauder um, from the Never Ain't Story soundtrack. It is the Ivory Tower theme. Um, and I think that's just very... Uh, it it oozes uh, this great quality of sound and um, energetic beats uh, similar to you guys. And I love that song too. The Ivory Tower, like that. Da, 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 oh, yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> do, do you, like, does that score reminds you of one of her track in particularly? Do you have like a, because there's one that's, that's kind of inspired by it. So I'm curious to see if you, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, when I first saw Turbo Kid, that's, I mean, some of those elements in there, I think, uh, inspired, or I thought of that, but I don't know if that was one of the, what you were talking about. What, what song inspired was it, that? Was it Last Breath? I mean, it's from, it's from the, like, um, Join Us, but, but definitely, like, we love that score a lot. I think yeah. it's, it's always there with us. Uh, but uh, no, it's called La Mar des Possibilités. Oh, so yeah, I knew that. Oh yeah, Preston knew that. It's it's like one of the the place in the world. It's the French. It's a French version still, but but like I can't remember uh, what's in English. I don't know what it is in English. But, but it, uh, it means the sea, the sea of possibilities. I think uh, it's probably that in English yeah? as well. Like it's why he's flying with the Falcor and and they just go fly over it when right. they try to find Atreyu. So yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, what about you, Mark? What's your the tune that reminds you that you recommend? Um, I, I think it's probably "On Our Own" by Bobby Brown from <laughs> Ghostbusters Two. It's it's peppy, it's catchy, it's 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 '80s encapsulated, and right before '80s becomes '90s, and similar to what you guys do, you're elevating your uh, your craft with every album. So I love that song. I love it. I, I knew you would. <laughs> I can't remember what's the what's that track. Oh, you, well, please come over. We'll, we'll play it for you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> play it so we can listen to it. My pick would be by this band called Tech Noir. They do a song called Gunship, and they had John Carpenter speak at the front of it, where it's, it's one of those songs that makes you feel like the sun's going down, like you're traveling into infinity, like you're just not going to stop. And if you look up the music video, <clears throat> I believe it's like Claymation. It has like RoboCop in it and all these. It's a very much a celebration of 80s filmmaking and 80s music. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be my hat tip. And that's awesome. And uh, JP and JN, do you have any uh, tunes you want to uh, educate us with that uh, you want to mention? Oof. Uh, out of... Out of my head, right like that. I I can't think of something. Um, mostly because like I don't listen to much like eighties type music or like Outrun. I don't listen to that. I I listen to electronic music. I listen to techno house, uh, and it, it's like there's so much stuff that like, comes out. Like I, I I don't have anything in my head right now. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, um, would you like to phone a friend? 
are you asking something that it's more like 80s and inspire us or oh no just like any piece of music that inspires that you know something like that that you want to like tell the world about oh okay what are you currently listening to i mean i kind of went back to thomas newman early stuff like the past month i'm kind of obsessed with with uh, uh, Desperately Seeking Susan soundtrack right now. Uh, that kind of like inspired a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of Summer of 84 as well with that Tangerine Dream vibes as well. So I feel like this is stuff that I'm listening a lot uh, nowadays that it's a little bit more uh, in the score vibe. But in terms of um, artists, okay, we're just going to take our phone. and, and <laughs> like one thing, that I, one thing that I definitely listen to a lot that Spotify just told me this week that I, I should listen to. <laughs> no, that I'm like part of the 1% of their fan base or whatever because I listen to that much. It's a band Tourist. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's good. So I know if you guys. The French dude. Sex Gun is like a mellow electronic vibe, extremely emotional as well. Uh, so that's that's definitely what's playing the most right now in my uh, in my Spotify. Sweet, and you're number one percent fan. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm part of the one percent. That's what they say. <laughs> that's what Spotify told me. So I don't know if they're trying to tell tell me to listen to it more, or uh, you know. I I can say uh, I listen to uh, like what uh, Ryan Davis does. I don't know if you guys know him. It's uh it's, it's mostly like. Um, it's not a house beat, but a lot of like uh, found sounds and like a very, it sounds very organic and, and like uh, the music in it. It's it's also very uh, melancholic and I don't know. It's a it's a it's a really good music to listen to in your car because like the sounds are like so so super well panned out. Like you have to say like I I also like I listen to music. I, I try to find the quality and the sounds. Like uh, I'm a fan of that. So. I don't know if you guys relate to that. But. <laughs> no, no, for sure, for sure. I, I'm a fan like, of techno uh, and house, so I like that stuff. There, there's a really good band um, on Bandcamp called Tommy86. Yeah. Um, and then I think Mitch Murder is also really good. Um, a couple other it's, things. I just discovered The Knox the other day. Sweet. No, I like that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Tommy86 Tommy was part of the kind of like the small label that we were part uh, back in the day, called uh, Girlfriend Girlfriend's Records. Oh, good idea. So we know we know Tommy. Yeah, and, uh, we know Tommy. Six, yeah, it's a it's a really good guy, super nice guy. That's cool. Real, real quick before we transition, because one of the other bands I was going to bring up is Electric Youth, and I know that you guys have worked with them. What what was that? Because we're we're big Drive fans over here, and we love that song Real Hero. So what was that? What's that relationship like? I feel like it was kind of like we. It, it was kind of like an email type of uh, relationship for that track. We, we kind of met them at the show in Montreal and talked about uh, making a track together and something. But it was mostly because uh, through college, I don't know if you guys know college. I mean, yeah, yeah they he was part of this. Yeah, he did the track in the soundtrack. <laughs> so I feel like college for us and the Valerie Collective was kind of like because when we started making music it was we we were trying to make something that was a little bit more for the dance floor um and um like more like the like the era of justice and daft punk and stuff like that like that you can feel a little bit more on, on coming soon and and from from the like the obsession with college and valerie like the like uh valerie collective and realize that we have kind of the same reference and inspiration uh, we 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 kind of like it kind of helped us define our sound a little bit more like also like uh, the guy from college like he was like uh, playing our tunes like we did a remix of Cable Pirate and he was playing like our song like in his DJ set so it was like we have like something in common yeah already so I feel like it's because of that that we it, so it was before driving everything so I can't remember like when join us came out uh, in relation with drives, but because like join us was kind of made all over, like it was tracks from join us were made from 2007 all the way to, to the really 2012. Yeah. yeah. When we, so I feel like it was, uh, and we, we to every track that we didn't really not like, but felt that it was more like it trying to do stuff was it became uh, coming soon. That was like the earlier stuff and like B side stuff. And then, Join us was the full album, so definitely a lot of it was kind of made 
pre-drive. I mean, everything was made pre-drive. Exactly. But uh, but so the the reason we wanted to go with with electric ute is we wanted to have like a um, a singer that would kind of fit the vibe that we're making, and we we love the the Valerie Collective, and we kind of like we talked with with da- David who's college and and Anorak and all those guys, and we kind of like to be like kind of like we're not part of that collective, but we were we felt that we were kind we're of like with. we were flirting with them, and we were like also French and mm. uh, and, and Canadian, and then we realized that Electric Youth was a Canadian band, and uh, and we just like asked them if they wanted to put their vocals on one of our track and this is where it's it happened that that's great um and so when we're we're you know, transitioning to our bloody question this is where we ask like a fun um horror theme type question uh on the show we usually bring it to uh the internet and we see some of their responses, but we also have our own responses. So having you guys on our show, our question was, um, if you could add any 80s horror synth score to any movie, which movie would it be? So kind of like in the vein of you guys or Carpenter or Goblin, if you can add an 80s synth score to any movie, what would it be? So my mine would be Eyes Wide Shut. Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut. I want an 80 cent score to that movie so badly because I love the classical score in that, but oh my goodness, that would be such a fun, different take on the film. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. So, any, um, yeah, do y'all have any, uh, any uh, movies you would want to add an 80 cent score to? I'm trying to find the title because I I think I have just in, in French the um, c'est le truc avec les hold on I, I'm gonna trans- switch to uh, to French real quick the the film with the the zombies zombies so there's I mean maybe that's cheating because it's 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 not really so like quest quest uh, quest for fire I don't know if you ever heard of that movie oh it's yeah for sure. Movie. So the thing is, like, the score of this movie is just like a classical score. But if you guys look the trailer, the trailer has, a, has an amazing synth score that doesn't make sense at all with the movie, but it gives you a tonality to it, to the story that's so different because it's like this, like, Comanion people or whatever, and 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 the synth doesn't make sense at all with kind of that era. So I feel like this is a good way to see see actually like a synth score on something that doesn't have it but uh so i would love to see a full synth score for that movie for sure but i feel like that's a little bit cheating what i'm saying but no way that's a tough question i i, I don't think i have something i don't think i have an idea <laughs> <laughs> uh what about preston um i would pick dumb and dumber uh, <laughs> there's, it, it already has a great score it's uh Todd Rundgren, but the it it has like it reminds me of like the Beethoven movies. Like it just so much lives in that '90s street to video kind yeah. of space. But um, there's been some like great internet videos over the past couple of years that have made like fake movie trailers and they put different music to it to make the tone shift entirely. So going from a buddy comedy movie to a straight. American Psycho type of film with Lloyd <laughs> Christmas being the killer um, or having all this malicious intent. So yeah, put put a horror slap a horror synth score on that. I like that. They did the reverse of that for The Shining, and they called sure. it yeah. Shine. It was yeah, it was yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. I, I think for me, I'd, I'd probably do either The Sandlot, and that would turn the Beast into this, you know, wow. vicious. <laughs> You know, Cujo-inspired animal, or maybe even War Games. That could just be fun, you know? That would be great. Like, as a prequel to Skynet, maybe. Turns it into a darker movie. I think I have an idea. I think I think it would be funny to make Braveheart with a synth. Since <laughs> <laughs> uh, four. You know? Way to go. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Convince Mel Gibson to remake <laughs> Braveheart with a synth score. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can you can make it happen, and it would be medieval, great. If, if you don't do it to be cheap. 
if you don't do it to be cheesy and you're trying to do it like Kubrick would have done it and two shinings and stuff like that, yeah, you know, and I feel like it could definitely work. <laughs> I like that. I like the brain. Then I get it gets you into like Valhalla Rising territory with Peter Peter and yeah. Peter K. Ed. I mean yeah. if <laughs> if if he wants to like re like reissue it like for a special event, we'll, I'm 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 down to score it. Like if, okay. if you listen to it, like <laughs> the reason for that that they gave me the idea is because of when we were um, making join us, the, the, we had we were three guys before there was uh, the JP, me, and Max, and he was like mostly on the on the Juno, the synth, and like when we did the song um, Overdog. I don't know if you remember from Join Us. Yes, like the, yes, the top yes. line, the top synth line, it always reminded me of, <laughs> of the of the theme in Braveheart. I was like, man, this sounds like Braveheart. It's amazing. And, <laughs> I don't know. No, that's listen, great. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that later. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> L- um, listen for it. You, you'll see. Oh, yeah, man. It sounds like Braveheart, but it's not like every note, but it, it reminds me of it, the theme. I like it. Um, and our and our last fun question this is our bloody recommendation where we kind of recommend a movie that is uh, kind of goes over like what we've been talking about. And so um, I guess my recommendation horror related, yeah, horror related. And I'm going to say this is has horror related because even though it's a kids film, there's aliens in it. Um, but it's the Explorers with a young River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke, and because the score is so good by Jerry Goldsmith, um, it's energetic. It inspires me to want to go out and just make music and movies similar to the way to you guys do with your albums and your work. So, um, if you want something to go well with Turbo Kid, Summer of '84, check out The Explorers, and it's just great. That that's that'd be my recommendation. Uh, yeah, I I own that soundtrack on vinyl. The yeah, me too. Amazing as well with the the BMX on the fence. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's it's such a good and that Jerry Goldsmith just did a great job with that score. Even like when they're building the tilt a whirl spaceship and it just like it like enhances you it gets you up like okay i want to build a ship <laughs> <laughs> so i like that uh so yeah it reminds me of you guys so uh what well, preston you got one uh yeah it's a new netflix series that just came out a few days ago and it's called i'm not okay with this and it's seven episodes long they're really short it's really breezy there's uh they're about 20 to 25 minutes long so 152 minutes long total. Um, so it's essentially just all these John Hughes movies mixed with Carrie. So uh, it it's it doesn't take place in the 80s, but it's a show that just it is lost in the sands of time. Like it has 80s music playing, 1950s music playing. They go to like a 50s style diner. They have a tube TV. Um, but they have uh, old cars and they also have cell phones, so it's just kind of like lost in this time. And I, I appreciate when movies like maybe It Follows do something like that, um, makes it more mysterious. So, uh, yeah, it's currently on Netflix right now, and it has uh, two of the kids from It, the new It movie in it. Um, so just like a high school movie with kid with telekinesis powers. Cool. Mark? Nice, nice. I, I think for me, I'm going to go with uh, I Am Mother, uh, another Netflix movie um, that kind of, I mean, well, the great thing about your music is it, it seems like every track takes you on a journey. And this film, I think it could actually use some of that life that you guys give it, but it's still a pretty taut and, uh, and driving film. And uh, it's got a little bit of horror elements to it. So I'm going to go Hillary with that Swank, one. right? Yeah. Yeah, Hillary Swank. And, I like uh, it. Rose Byrne is the voice. Sweet. Uh, what about you guys? So, like, just a movie that we want to recommend that's kind of horror. That's what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. And so, for me, I would definitely uh, rec- recommend uh, this old school movie called Surf Nazi Must Die. Oh, <laughs> hell yes. So, I'm, I kind of like this greediness and trauma style. Like, I grew up on, on, on trauma movies and super low budget uh, horror that you can... my my, I, I was renting it into like a, just like a, a gas station that my aunt used to have, and they always had like those cheapish as they can buy. So, so it was always like ninja movies and horror films. So, Surf Nazi Must Die was definitely one of my favorite. 
And the score is still for me, I'm still obsessed with that score. That's kind of a mix of, of surf punk and, and synths. So I feel like everybody should at least try to listen to that score. And, and if they're, they're down to it and try to, uh, to listen to something a little bit harder to watch because it's still like a B-movies, but uh, that's a, a great one. Oh, yeah, you're speaking my language. I am knee-deep in trauma. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I would recommend a movie. I don't know if this, if everybody liked that movie. I don't, I don't even know like where it stands as critics-wise, but I saw the movie uh, The Perfection on Netflix. Oh, yeah, we, we love, love that, that movie. Yeah, we I, love thought, it. I thought it was amazing, and movies about music and... I don't know. It just it was crazy. Just the, the how it ends and the twist and I don't know. That's my my recommendation. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a wonderful movie. We we all saw that at a film festival, I think, or most of us. Yeah. Um, it's that's a great film. Um, but I just want to say thank you guys, Amatos, for coming on our show. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find you online? Uh, Bandcamp at lamatos.com. I mean, if they do lamatos.com, it's yeah. gonna redirect uh, to the Bandcamp, exactly. and we're kind of like everywhere on social uh, and and uh, like Spotify and all those uh, platforms as well. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, and thank you everybody for listening um, for uh, the My Bloody Podcast, and be sure to get all of their albums uh, from Death Waltz, Mondo. Um, Summer of 84, Turbo Kid, and The Chronicles of the Wasteland. And join us and if you can. And join us. Available uh, everywhere. <laughs> so uh, be sure to get those. And thank you guys for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks cool. for having us. Yeah, it was pretty cool.